0: 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is the Word of God that equips us to do the work of God. Will you pray with me, please? Father, as we come on this day, Lord, it is amazing how unique each individual that you have created is. And Lord, each of us has a different story. Each of us has a different journey. Each of us is going through different things right now. Some of us are filled with joy. Some are filled with pain, anguish, sorrow, regret. Some are filled with doubt. Some are filled with worry and questions. Some of us are just just overwhelmed with life. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us today. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a path, Lord, that we don't have to be overwhelmed by the world, but we would be overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Father, we know that as we gather, it is never about the messenger, it is always about the message. So, Father, I pray that you would remove me and your spirit would speak to each and every one of us, that we would not just hear your truth, but, Lord, we would be convicted by it, we'd be comforted by it, we would be challenged by it that, Lord, our minds would not wander, but our focus would be on you. Father, we thank you for this time, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So that electric guitar was pretty cool, huh? That was awesome. Thank you. That was really neat. Well, if you didn't have a chance to uh, to worship with us last week, hopefully by now you've received uh, the emails and all of the announcements about uh, kind of what we talked about last week in our Vision Sunday. And we, uh, we talked about, and Joe mentioned earlier, our new logo, our new branding. Kind of talked about uh, what God's called us to for 2018 and beyond, and we also kind of revealed what the theme is that God has given us for this year, and that is big faith and no fear. That God has called us to live with big faith and no fear, and it really is amazing what happens when we live with big faith and no fear. And I saw an example of this years ago when I was involved in sports ministry. Now, I was not a pastor at the time, but I was involved in ministering to athletes, And two of the athletes, one named Andrew, the other named Keith, were really growing in their faith. They were so on fire for the Lord, and they just wanted to reach their teammates with the gospel. And so they decided that they wanted to invite every single player and their wife or significant other to come over to Andrew's house for dinner and a Bible study. And so they were very excited. So they, they put invitations together, and they went and they put them on every seat in the locker room, and they were fired up and they asked if Christy and I would come over and we said we would love to do that. And so we got there and they spared no expense for food. They had every kind of food. It was fantastic food. It was great. So everything was supposed to start at about seven o'clock. So we're there, we're ready at seven o'clock and seven o'clock comes and okay, nobody's here, but that's okay because everybody's fashionably late. These are athletes, right? 7.15, not, still not here. They're coming, they're, hey, they're coming. 7.30, there's traffic. There's always traffic, 745. They could read the invitations, right? I mean, they're going to find it. Well, by 8 o'clock, nobody came. All this food, and Andrew and his wife and Keith and his wife and Christy and I are there in a huge empty house with all kinds of food and no people. How discouraging, right? But do you know in that moment, God was glorified. God was glorified in that moment. And you may say, well, how could God be glorified when when all of these people were reached out to, they were given invitations, and, and there's all kinds of food, and not one person came. Because it wasn't about them coming, it was about Andrew and Keith asking. It was about them having big faith and no fear, that their faith in God was, you've called me to reach out and I will, and not fearing what the results were. And big faith, no fear is what God has called us to. And so the question becomes, How do we live big faith, no fear? It sounds great, but what's the first step that we should take? Well, that's what we're going to kind of begin our sermon series through the book of Nehemiah today. Now, Nehemiah is right after the book of Ezra, and Ezra and Nehemiah are really considered one book or one work. And where we find ourselves in Nehemiah is Nehemiah is going to be bringing back the exiles from Babylon to Jerusalem as the third time. There were two others, Ezra and Zerubbabel, who had brought them back previously. And actually, Nehemiah's name means the Lord comforts. And Nehemiah would need the Lord's comfort if he was going to live a life of big faith and no fear. So we're going to take a look at Nehemiah chapter 1, the first 11 verses. So if you've got your Bibles or pull it up on your phone, we're going to go through the first 11 verses, and then we'll come back. It says this, The words of Nehemiah, Son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exiles and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down. And wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven and the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. In the presence of this man, I was the cupbearer to the king. You know, that last line, I was cupbearer to the king, Nehemiah had a really good job. He was the king's right-hand man. He tested all of the king's food and all of the king's drink to make sure that it was of the utmost quality. I guess he also tested that if it was poison, he would die and not the king. So maybe not the perfect job, but a good job. He was trusted by the king, he was respected by people, he had influence, he had power, so life was pretty good for him. But then when his brother, and we don't know if this was like a blood brother or if this was just a brother in the faith, came to him and said, look, I've got some news. And it's not good news. All of the people who have returned from the exiles, things are not good. And, 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 and life is hard and they're vulnerable and, and the wall that surrounded the city, and many cities had walls around them because it protected them so that they couldn't be invaded. Well, that wall had crumbled. And then there were big gates that were there to protect them. But then the gates were burned down. So this was devastating news to Nehemiah because now the people were vulnerable. Now the people were open to go through heartache. They were open to be attacked. This was devastating, overwhelming news that everybody he knows, everybody he loves, they are in danger. How many of us have dealt with that moment where we get some really difficult news in our life? Really hard news. What do we do? What do we do when we get that kind of news that we don't know what to do? See, what a lot of us do, instead of having big faith, no fear, we have big fix, no faith. We think we can fix it. We think we can fix it ourselves, and We try to take action. But what we see that Nehemiah does is prayer precedes action. Before Nehemiah does anything, he begins to pray. And that's what we really want to take a look at today, is prayer. So I want to encourage you, we're going to go through, we're going to break down Nehemiah's prayer. I want you to write down these steps that Nehemiah takes. Because all of us have received and will receive difficult and challenging news in our life. But the way that Nehemiah handles this gives us the first step in having big faith and no fear. Now, the first thing that you can see that he does here, starting here in um, verse 5, he says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, he begins his time in prayer by praising God. He doesn't focus on how big and how overwhelming his circumstances are. He focuses on how big God is. Do we focus on the bigness of God or do we focus on the bigness of our problems? If we're honest, we focus on the bigness of our problems. This is too big, this is too overwhelming because we aren't looking at it right. What Nehemiah said is big faith, no fear, starts with remembering God is bigger than our problems. God is bigger than our circumstances. God is bigger than our worry. No matter what you and I are going through, and I know many of us are going through different things, God is bigger and God is worthy of praise. See, Nehemiah's prayer begins with praise. We don't always begin our prayers with praise. We begin our prayers with complaining or fretting or worrying. But Nehemiah says, to have big faith, no fear, I'm going to begin by praising God. When's the last time when we got overwhelmed with discouraging or difficult news that we began by praising God because we know He's bigger than that? See, if you're like me, sometimes you forget the bigness of God. And you put God in a nice little box. And you say, well, God, this is all that you can do. And this is outside your scope. So I'm bringing in the expert, me. And that always goes well, right? When we decide that we're going to fix our problems. But see, we need to pray and praise a God who's bigger than our problems. Whatever you're going through right now, God's bigger than that. Whatever worry you have, God's bigger than that. See, God is worthy of our praise because he's bigger A great psalm is Psalm 150 when it comes to praise. Listen to this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God likes praise. He likes loud. He likes bold. He likes praise because he's worthy of it. The psalmist is saying we should all be praising God because he's worthy of it and he's bigger than our circumstances. And that's what Nehemiah does. The first step in Nehemiah's prayer was praise. Now, after he begins to praise, he then moves to the second thing when it comes to thanksgiving. And he is thankful to God for God's faithfulness, God's covenant of love, as he says in here. God is faithful. Have you ever thought about how faithful God is in our life? Did anybody here make the sun come up this morning? Did it come up this morning? Sort of came up this morning. God makes the sun come up. He's faithful. God makes the rain come down so the crops can grow. God is faithful. That breath that you and I just took right now, God is faithful in allowing our bodies to work in a way that we can breathe. These words that you're hearing right now are because God has allowed us to hear them. God is faithful. We somehow think that God is faithful to us because we've earned it. We're just so stinking cute, aren't we? How could God not love us? But remember who chose who. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 7. The Lord did not set His affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to your forefathers that He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faith, He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. God is faithful, and Nehemiah is praising God for his faithfulness in the past, his faithfulness today, and his faithfulness tomorrow. And we know that God is faithful because he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Because we cannot get right with God on our own. Morality, religion, Church, that doesn't get us right with God. What gets us right with God is God's faithfulness. God sent Jesus to die for our sins. And when we accept Jesus and we believe in Jesus, then we're right with God. See, Nehemiah was thankful for the faithfulness of God. Yes, he just received overwhelming, horrible news. But he says, first, God is good. God is bigger than this news. And he says, God is faithful because we have a history, a record of God's faithfulness. Think about your own life. How has God been faithful over the years in your life? You were raised, you got an education, you know, you have a family, you know, you have a job, you have a home, you have a car. God is faithful. Think about all those times when you thought it just wasn't going to work out, whatever it is, but God is faithful. See, we sometimes have amnesia as Christians. I know I do. I forget all that God has done, except for that moment where I'm like, God, you can't do this. This is too big for you, God. God just chuckles and he says, watch me work. See, we need to praise God because God is faithful. See, Nehemiah begins his prayer by praising God for his bigness and by thanking God for his faithfulness. See, it's all about God. Now, he switches a little bit now to himself. You say, oh, this is going to get good now. It's about me. But what Nehemiah does in switching from praising God and thanking God is now he gets real with who he is. And this is the area that we sometimes struggle with. Listen to what Nehemiah says in verses 6 and 7. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. So, Nehemiah confesses, that's the third thing. The first thing we do is praise, the second thing we do is we're thankful, and the third thing we do is we confess. And Nehemiah confesses his sinfulness. Talk about a radical move, right? When you're coming and trying to impress somebody, particularly God, usually you don't start off with talking the bad stuff about yourself. If you've ever had a job interview, you don't go in and saying, well, I, you know, I can't type, I can't read, you know, I don't have transp." I mean, you don't go in and say, hey, I'm horrible. You go in and say, this is how great I am. I'll be the best employee you have ever had. I'm amazing. But Nehemiah says, I'm a sinner. I'm a wreck. And he says, not just me, but he says, all of us. We've all disobeyed you. He confesses his brokenness. He confesses his sin. We would see this later when Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, before, you know, we get these overwhelming news, we sometimes don't ever confess, God, I can't fix it. I, I, I can't fix my circumstances because, you know what, I'm a sinner. And Nehemiah says, I have not obeyed you. I have not been faithful. We have not been faithful to you. It is hard in the midst of overwhelming circumstances to confess that we are broken and that we are not perfect and that we can't fix it. But that's what big faith, no fear is about. It's saying, I've got faith that God can fix it, not that I can. Do you know one of the reasons why we don't confess so readily that we are sinners, if we're honest, is that we live in fear of the wrath of God. We think that if we make a mistake, God is just going to send the lightning bolt down and he's going to zap us. We feel that the wrath of God will come upon us if we ever come before God and say, God, I'm a sinner and I've made a mistake. We think that God is so angry and filled with wrath, With is not the case. God loves you and God loves me, and that's why he sent his son. We cannot live in fear of God. We must have big faith and say, we have a loving and caring and forgiving God. And by the way, God already knows the sins before we commit them. We can't do anything behind God's back. We try. We do. We try really hard. But you can't do anything behind God's back. And even so, we love him, and he loves us, and he is faithful, and he is forgiving to us in every way. But yet we still live with this first John one mentality that says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and the word has no place in our lives. What's the, the saying in politics? The cover-up's always worse than the crime? Isn't our excuse always worse than our sin? Or our denial always worse than our sin? That if we just come and say, Lord, I just messed up. I didn't handle this right. I didn't approach this right, man, Lord, I just I messed up. And I confess that to you and I repent of my sin, God will say, You are forgiven. You are forgiven. But we don't always do that. We become so overwhelmed that we try to fix it. We become so overwhelmed that we deny that that we can't fix it. And see, what Nehemiah said is, big faith, no fear, is about looking and praising God because he's bigger than our problem. It's about being thankful to God because of his covenant faithfulness. It's about confessing that we're broken and only God can fix it. And then finally, fourth, and finally, he does the thing that we always do first. He says, God, here's what I need. Is your prayer life like mine, where it's like a laundry list of to-dos for God? Did you ever hear though about honey-do lists? Right? We give God a honey-do list every day. Here's what I need, God, and I need it by 5 o'clock. Can you get it done, please? Nehemiah doesn't say that. In fact, Nehemiah's prayer is not that his will be done, is that God's will be done. In these overwhelming, devastating, difficult times, he says, God, what is your will in this circumstance? God, what do you want to be done with all of this tragic news that I've had. What if our prayer life consisted of, God, could you give me favor to do your will? Because that's what Nehemiah is asking for. He's going to have to go to the king. He's going to have to say to the king, can you let me leave? Because i got to go take care of my family and my friends and my community. Can, Can you give me resources to go back? Can you give me letters to go across the countries I need to go to to be there? So he needs favor to get all these things. And he's saying, God, if it be your will, would you grant me your favor? See, we ask God for favors. But do we ask God for favor? There's a difference. Favors are for us. Favor is for him. That we need to say, God, can you grant me favor to do your will? See, we always want God to bless our will instead of saying, God, how can I be obedient to your will and gain favor to do that? Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 30. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him, with all your heart, with all your soul, according to everything I commanded you today. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where He scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens. From there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your fathers, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. When we are obedient, God will give us favor. When we say, God, what is your will that I can do in the midst of this difficult circumstance? God will bless us when we are obedient. And that's what Nehemiah prayed for, because he said, I, God, I, I want to do your will here. But it's hard. And so he begins in prayer by praising God because of God's bigness, by being thankful for God because of God's faithfulness, by confessing his own sin and brokenness that he can't fix it and then by asking for God's favor to do his will. See, when, when we break down the prayer, and I think we'll have a graphic up here, here are the four aspects of the prayer. Praising God's awesomeness, thanksgiving for God's covenant love, repenting of his and nation's sinfulness, petitioning God for his favor in doing God's will. If we begin our time of prayer of big faith, and no fear, when we come up against life's overwhelming circumstances, when we follow this, we're going to have peace, and we're going to find God's favor in our life. But we've got to remember, God's bigger than our problems. God is faithful. We are unfaithful. God is faithful. We need to repent. We can't always fix it, but God can. And when we ask for God's favor, are we asking it to do His will, or for God to bless our will? Now, there are three things that prayer brings when we really approach it faithfully. Number one, clarity. When overwhelming circumstances come into our lives, what do I do? Begin in prayer. When we begin in prayer, we will have clarity. What does God want me to do? Number two, we will have confidence that God will find a way because God is bigger than our problem. God is more faithful than we could ever imagine. God forgives us our sins And God's will is going to be done. And number three, it helps us have a commitment in trusting God. Wouldn't that be great no matter what comes into our world if you could say, I have clarity, confidence, and commitment when faced with overwhelming news, with difficult circumstances. Don't we want that? You know, I began by telling you about my friends, uh, Keith and Andrew, and uh, what many would consider a failed attempt to reach the lost. But let's fast forward many, many years later. Keith and Andrew, yes, they were discouraged, but they were prayerful. And they knew that God had called them to something. And yes, it was overwhelming when things didn't work out, but they were faithful in their prayer. They knew that God was bigger than people not showing up for a Bible study. They knew that God was faithful. They knew they couldn't do it on their own. They, asked, they said, God, would you allow us to do your will? Well, today, Andrew and Keith are church planters at a church in Orlando called High Point Church. And it's a thriving church that is making a huge kingdom impact in Orlando. They said that when they had that very first Bible study where nobody showed, they considered that their first church service. They said there was only a few of us there and no one that we invited came, but the Lord showed up and God wasn't done. Their big faith, no fear, was that God was going to do something so big, even though it started off in a really kind of overwhelmingly disappointing way, God can do that in life. And we believe that God has called us in 2018 to live big faith and no fear, and we believe that God has called us to begin in prayer. And so what we are going to do is we are going to put our faith into action. If you were here last week, or if you had a chance to receive any of our communications this week, you know that there were three questions that we wanted to get input on everybody from when it comes to big faith, no fear, when it comes to our communication, when it comes to the vision that God has called us to, which is a community center here. And so what we are going to do is we are going to break up into four different groups in this room. And you are going to be led by an elder and a staff person, and you're going to begin in prayer, and then you're gonna give some input uh, on all those three questions. And so what I'm gonna do is that I'm gonna ask uh, Cindy Wren uh, to go on this back corner right here. I'm gonna ask um, Casey Lindsay to come right up here. Uh, I'm gonna ask Jeff Dempsey to come right back here. And I'm gonna ask Linda Vogel to come here. And I'm gonna ask you just to bring your chairs and we're just gonna surround them, begin in prayer, and then we'll come back together to close our service together. So Cindy's back there, Casey's up there, Jeff is back there, Linda's up there.